Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. Brian, we got Hurricane Faye coming through Tallahassee, but we have something, or we have someone on the show that's a little bit more powerful than Faye. We're going to have fun tonight, Brian. We're going to have fun. We're going to talk about dreams, wishes, hope, faith. We're going to talk just about everything. And, Brian, you know what? I think all of our listeners out there, somebody out there is struggling with writing a book. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you. They're, that, they're in that last chapter, and now they have writer's block. Is it really writer's block or is it fear, Brian, of success? Is it fear of putting their book out there? and being afraid of the criticism that's going to come with it. Because, you know, Brian, we all have haters out there. A lot of people are not going to want to see you do well. <laughs> what do you think? You know, it's funny because I talked about that uh, with some youth the other day. We talked about drinking haterade. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, you know, you you have haters out there, and they don't want to see you succeed. They don't want to see you do well. I said, so what's the first thing they tell you? They tell you what you can't do. You're not going to be able to do that. You can't do that. And, you know, I asked them, I said, why do you think they tell you that? They don't know what you can't, can or can't do, but they immediately tell you you can't do it because they don't want to see you do it. You know, mm. I said, and that's when you have to not prove to them, but prove to yourself that you have the ability, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, that's what I, I, I think it's great that we have uh, a wonderful author on tonight and you know the title of our show is laughter is good and if anybody knows about this show they know we do a lot of laughing and we have a good time and at the same time we talk about issues that are very serious in nature yeah no but it's every now and then it's good to laugh it's good to have fun Yes, even even when you know you can't even miss a shooting arrow that you you know they can't prosper, but still they're they're doing it, and we're all human, Brian. It hurts. It hurts when people come at us because you know we want to do our best and we want people to love what we're doing, but mm-hmm. that's not always the case. So that's why sometimes it's just good to just sit back and laugh at the worst things that are going on in our lives. Sometimes that what we think is the worst thing. But, Brian, I believe sometimes we're hidden from a lot of the stuff that's going on around us, and we never really realize how bad it was, you know, the the thing that was trying to come at us. We really don't know the depth of it, but we know that we are protected. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you know the person we know, then you know you're protected. But <laughs> <laughs> well, what well, I need further yeah. ado, I'd like to bring her on, Greg, if you Good, don't mind. Go ahead. Yes, I'm ready for her. All right. Aisha Goldston formerly known as Aisha Shermaine. And you know what? Let me not even try to say that middle name because I know I'm going to mess it up. Yeah, please. Formerly known as Aisha Johnson was born and raised an only child in Brooklyn, New York. Encouraged by both her mother and grandmother, she began to collect books. You know, and I'm going to stop right there because I want to hear about this collecting book thing because I have a book collector in my house. And she collects books and she reads every stitch of them over and over and, you know, I always want to just throw them out when they're done, but she will not let me. So let's bring on tonight Miss Aisha Goldson. Yes. Hello. It's good hey. to be here. Yeah, thank you thank for joining you. us. Yeah, thank you thank so you. much for coming on and, and and just having fun with us tonight. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I want to I, start off, Greg. Yeah, I was going to say, go ahead, Brian. <laughs> you, you, you couldn't wait for her to come on. Oh, no, not at all, you know, because I got a good question. Your okay. love of books, where did it come from? Well, first of all, I, I, I believe that my love of books um, came from God. Um, however, I think he put uh, people and resources in my path to encourage and nurture that love. Mm. So, And um, my grandmother and my mother, uh, both of them, uh, encouraged that love that was in me from the beginning. I was, I was always, I always excelled at reading and language arts early on, and um, 
my, my mother was very young. I don't think she, she realized what she was doing, but, you know, God has a way of directing your path and using people even when they don't know that they're being used. And so my mother uh, would always buy me books, no matter whether it was Christmas or my birthday or what the occasion was. She would always, always, there would always be a book in addition to whatever toy or whatever event. She would always make sure I had books. And then my grandmother, she uh, was very active in the, the, in the PTA and the public school that I was in, and she would also gather books. She would um, literally uh, take the, the old books that the school would uh, be throwing out, and she would, she would bring them home for me. And as she would do that, I just devoured them. I just devoured them, and I began to, to keep them and, and save them and just love them. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, so you didn't... You didn't allow anybody to get rid of your books, did you? No. <laughs> no. I stand convicted because I've been trying to get rid of my daughter's books. She has so many of them, and she reads them all. Right, right. And it's like, okay, we don't have any more room. Your room is not that big. You share it with somebody. Right. You get rid of these books, and then she'll say, okay, fine. You know, but, <laughs> but these are books that she's read over and over. Right, right. You know? And I don't want, you know, and I don't. Want to don't like discourage for mean or anything, but it's like right. we got no more room. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's yeah. a little hard. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I'm I'm an only child, so I had all the room. Ah, uh, right. Well, yeah, Miss Golson, I wanted to ask you with with yes. the books. Did it help with your imagination? Because sometimes we can we can really escape um, boredom. We can really escape sometimes sad times that we're in, and we can go in that place in the book. Pretty much, mm-hmm. we, can, we can become one of the characters inside the book. Yes. Did, did, so did that help you as far as being creative and really? I believe it did. To, yeah, learn how to. I believe it, it did. Um, first of all, as I said, just being an only child, I had to be imaginative because I didn't have children all of, you know around me all the time, and so I learned to to make imaginary friends and characters in my head. And the more I read. Uh, the more uh, elaborate my scenarios were that were in my head. And I remember from being very young writing, you know, little stories, even though I wasn't aware fully of what I was doing, that I was actually creating books even when I was like six, seven years old because I would cut out the little pictures from magazines and use a story and it would become this, this, you know, this wild story. And I would, you know, paste the pictures on and, and fold it like a book and staple it and, you know, use all the little supplies in the house. And that would, you know, I'd be so proud of that. Mm. Well, you, do, do you write plays or have you ever written any type of thought about just writing plays? Because it sounds like you can uh, create your characters how you want. In your book, the book that you have out right. now, uh, just from reading the excerpts, it sounds like a movie. Really? Yes, to me it does. I, I was reading the excerpts from it. And I was I was really impressed. I was like, I can't believe I didn't, I need to get this book because it's just yeah it just made me think. I, I wanted to know more. I wanted to know what was really going on. In right. The book. And that's a good clean book. It, it's a it's an easy read, but you have to really pay attention. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Well, yes. Even when I was younger, I I, I did write plays. Um, screenplays, plays. I, I've always had an interest in that. Just any kind of creative writing. I write poetry. I write um, not many short stories, but I have written some short stories, but definitely novels and poetry, I would say, I've written the most. Hmm. I was going to ask you another thing, too, about your writing. Um, When people read your writing, are they kind of, Looking into a mirror and looking at Miss Golson, or they are they looking at something that you created that's not uh not really coming outside of you. Not re- you're not the 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 person in the writing. You're saying, uh, what what do I think people think? Yeah, when people read your, um, because you know, a, a, a lot of people, if you have a loving person, a lot of times they write loving things. Right. You know and. Can we kind of follow you a little bit in your writing? Uh, sure. Um, well, you mean when, when people read The Love Child? Yes, yes. Uh, hopefully, I'm hoping that they, when people read The Love Child, that they come away um, not looking at me, the author, but just um, I'm hoping that they come away just uh, 
with a closer relationship to God. I'm hoping that the redemptive message comes through. So I would hope they're not really looking at me, the author. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that they, I'm hoping that they would know that it's, it's, it's Holy Spirit-led. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, I was going to ask you what what's your inspiration for writing, but I think you just said it, so. <laughs> yes, yes. You know. Absolutely. Uh, but another question. Mm-hmm. When you write, how does it make you feel, like, you know, some people uh, find it that writing or doing whatever they like to do is a release. Right. Some people use it for, like, you know, just stress. Some people mm-hmm. do it as an as a, you know, exercise for the mind. So how do you feel when you actually write? I would say it's probably all of the above. Um, it's definitely a release. Um, I'm, it's something I'm passionate about. Um, I don't see it as work. It's actually fun. For me, um, it, it now there is a lot of work involved, so I'm not trying to make it seem like it's it's necessarily easy, but it's it's just so much fun. It's so much fun that it's worth it's worth every bit of effort that it takes to to get it done. Mm-hmm. And I just love to write. When I sit down at a, a you know with paper, pen and paper, I just love I love the process. I love everything about it. I love creating. I love creating characters and getting in their head, and I love the fact that I can make them go, you know, in a direction that I want them to go. I love that. You know, Greg, I think the operative word there was passion. Yeah. You know, and that's something that, you know, Greg and I, we we listen for certain words when Mm -hmm. we talk to people, and we hear that word passion, and we understand just what you mean. Right. I think everybody else that's listening, <laughs> they they know that this is a passion that you have. Well, let me ask you this. As far as uh, the little girls and kids, do you have anything um, maybe at your church or at a community center, do you do anything as far as helping them um, with their writing skills or encouraging them to uh, write, sit down and write? Absolutely. Actually, I'm the owner of a Christian school. And in Jonesboro, Georgia, and it's called Anointed Minds Preparatory School, and um, our whole program is uh, basically focuses on uh, language arts, reading, writing. That's our focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have an um, an after school club that's a young authors club, as well, where we encourage uh, young writers to start now. And I'm beginning to help them with their creative writing, and we we give them um, incentives for those that have written the best poem or written the best story, and, and this is monthly, a monthly incentive. Well, you know what? It, 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 it's wonderful what you're doing because a lot of kids these days really can't express themselves. Right. And, and through their writing, I think what you're doing is, you know, you're teaching them how to express themselves, and, and that's something that's really important. But the reason I say that, Brian and I, we go out to the detention centers and jails here locally, and we... Mm-hmm look at the kids and they don't know how to express themselves at all. That's true. Mm-hmm. Because of something ugly that may have happened to them. But but through the writing, I think that when they really learn how to express themselves on paper, even though they've gone through some terrible times, they'll know still how to express themselves a little bit. So they can kind of let you in and you can kind of find out what they're going through. Right. Yeah. So the reason I asked about the the uh, the kids because that's something that we really focus on a lot, mm-hmm. and you will be amazed at what these kids can imagine and creatively put on paper and yes. make it all come together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can you tell us about some of the kids there um, that just surprised you that you know they may may have come in there and probably didn't write so well, they didn't do this so well, and now when the light clicked on and it just took off and, and you just watched this particular kid just sprout? Right. Well, um, the Young Authors Club, that's a, a fairly new new uh, project mm-hmm. that uh, just started this school term. And, um, and already I could see the excitement in the kids. At first it was like, okay, this is another club. It's, it's supposed, you know, clubs are supposed to be fun and this is going to be work. But already I can see the, the excitement in them now. Because a lot of, for a lot of them, 
they're not used to using their imaginations. I think we, we live in an age where you don't have to use your imagination as much as you had to when I was growing up. You know, right. there's you know, so much technology and there's so many, you know, there are video games and there's so many things to do that kids don't necessarily use their imagination as much. And by forcing them to do so, I think they, they're, they're able to surprise themselves. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, because I think about when I was young, you know, we had blocks, and I think the video games were just starting to come out. Right. But a lot of the stuff that we did was, you know, outside. We played outside. We played with the blocks. You know, we played with the G.I. Joe and with the Kung Fu Grip, and, you know, we created stories behind those. You know, and so we had a lot more time to, you know, create our reality, you know, Right. And uh, I think about, like, when you were saying when you were little and you would create these little stories, I thought about when my – I have uh, a set of twins, an 11-year-old boy and a girl. And when they were about seven years old, I think my youngest daughter was about maybe three or four or something like that. They all got together, and they created a, a Thanksgiving story, you know, a mm. Thanksgiving Day story. And they – they did it all themselves. They drew out pictures of the food, and they, you know, they got all the younger kids in the family involved, and they created like this little dinner table circle, and you know, they had the turkey on paper, and I mean, they created this entire play, and they were, and they did this for two years straight. Then when they got older, they thought it was corny, but you know, <laughs> it was just, and it was all them. We didn't do anything except for watch it after we, you know, everybody would eat. And then the kids would come in and they'd do their little Thanksgiving play. And it was just amazing how their minds would work mm-hmm. because they created, like, a real story about a kid who couldn't have Thanksgiving with his family. Right. And I'm like, where did they get this from? Mm-hmm. You know? But it was just their minds. And, you know, ironically, uh, my mother-in-law and I used to have foster children. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the story was born because there was kids that, you know, didn't get to have Thanksgiving with their family mm-hmm. because they were with us. And so my kids put together a story about the kids that didn't get to have Thanksgiving. Wow. That's powerful. You know, but it's just amazing how the, like you said, how the mind works. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I guess that's what started my question earlier to you about, you know, your inspiration for writing and, you know, the mindset that you have when you begin to write. But right. let me ask you this question. Mm-hmm. How did it feel? And I know Greg's gonna kill me for this one because he's probably gonna ask you this first. Okay. But I'm I'm still in your thunder, Greg. All right, let's go. How did you feel when you completed your first book? You mean my first published book, or you mean as a child book? Well, both. Both. Um, when I completed my first book, let's say at a ch- as a child, I was excited. I was I was ecstatic, happy. Um, I remember being very proud of it, and I just continued to do more. Um, as an adult, it's I can't I can't even express to you how fulfilling it is and how exciting it is. Um, everybody's asking me, you know, lately, how does it feel? And I tell you, I I don't think my feet have hit the ground yet. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm just I'm just ecstatic right now. Well, let me ask you this: How do you get started? I think that's something that a lot of people are struggling with. And and do you think that's because of low self-esteem and not knowing their value and worth? Do you Absolutely. Do you? A, a lot of a lot of it is that. A lot of it has to do with um uh low self-esteem, not knowing their value, and I think uh one of the greater things is not knowing your purpose mm-hmm. um in life. And um I actually wrote uh, and self-published a book uh, called Resurrecting Vision which deals with just that, uh, not knowing your purpose. And I didn't always know my purpose. And um, I, I, I used to, I, I wrote my whole, during my younger years, and then uh, right out of, outside of college, you know, I got caught up in, you know, family life and, and working, and, and I kind of put my writing aside. I put it aside for a while, and, and after a while, life kind of took over, and, um I kind of I, I don't want to say forgotten it but it was it was buried. It was buried and until uh years later 
when God revealed my purpose to me. And I wasn't searching for it, but it was there was something in my heart and it it just took one it took one sentence from my business partner. We we were uh, sitting at the office, and she was sharing an article with me, and she was like, yes, yeah, this writer. And I was like, well, that's me. I'm a writer. And she said, really? I've never heard you say anything about that. And that's when it, it hit me that, you know, you're absolutely right. And we were very close. And I'm like, if that proved to me something was missing in my life if she was so close to me and she didn't even know that I was a writer. And from that moment on, God began to reveal that that's what was missing in my life, it was that missing link. That's what I wasn't doing because I was working, I, I owned a business, and I was uh, teaching, and I was doing all these things, and then, and yet um, there was this part of me that was lacking, and that's what it was. And when I found that pur- purpose, I, I went running after it. I, I, I on purpose, began to, to, to seek out um, other writers and anything that had anything to do with writing. And that's how I started my my writing journey, I would say. Do you think that if you look back over your life and you look at all the things that you've done before mm-hmm. you uh, started writing your books, mm-hmm. do you think that you were being prepared for this finishing product, pretty much the, the books that you're writing now? Do, do you think? Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. Do. I think everything that I've experienced in my life was preparing me for this moment. Um, I think everything that I've, every, every hardship, every everything that served to make me stronger, and um, mostly because my writing comes with an aspect of compassion, and I think that everything that I've I've gone through in my life helped me to develop that compassion, mm-hmm. and 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 it it shows in I think in my writing, in the, in the kind of writing, in the kind of writer that I am. Right, and that's what I kind of talked about a little bit earlier when I was saying that when you write, can people see or can they feel uh, Miss Golson in the writing? And you being compassionate, that means uh, for a person to be compassionate, that means, now tell me if I'm wrong, but mm-hmm. that means that that person had to suffer somewhere down the line. They they did some suffering. They spent some time getting sure. to know suffering and pain and this type of thing, and now Mm-hmm. that you, you, you look out and you see other people and you see that they're hurting and that they were there where you were. Yes. And now yes. you're qualified to tell them and help them out of what they're going through. Absolutely. I, my life, um, I, I, I should have been a statistic. Uh, I was born uh, in a, I would say, in, uh, in a ghetto, definitely in a ghetto, uh, with a young, uh, single mother, teenage mother. My mother was uh, 17 when when I was born, and so I had so many strikes <laughs> against me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the neighborhood in Brooklyn I was born in, Bedford Stuyvesant, notorious for for you know crime and 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 poverty, and there were so many there were so many elements that could have destroyed me all around me, and yet God kept me. And, and lifted me up out of that environment. And so um, I, I just thank God that I'm, I'm here today. But everything that I've, that I've gone through served to make me stronger. And, Brian, didn't we talk about this earlier before we brought her on? The, <laughs> we were just talking about being in the middle of a storm and not realizing how bad of a storm that you're in, but you're right. protected. Right. Mm-hmm. He had to protect you to get you to where you are now so that you yes. can get these books out and so you can speak to people. And you know what? I'm going to ask you this question. What is it like to be chosen? Because you you, you were definitely chosen. Because it, it, Somewhere down the line, you were probably left left out for dead. And I don't mean somebody hurt you and just left you out there, but society right. pr- pretty much left you out there for dead. Sure. One one of the one of the things that, that helped me um, – even before I knew God for myself, was that my grandmother, she, she was very inspirational. She, um, she was uh, made by occupation, although uh, this, she was actually my great-grandmother who uh, raised me, and she never had more than a sixth-grade education, but she always stressed education. 
Um, she and she believed in me. She would always tell me I could do it. She never settled for less from me, and she never made me feel like I mean I I know now looking at my circumstances that I was considered poor, but at the time I never considered myself poor because it was the mentality. And like I said, we lived in a neighborhood where everything was going on, and yet she never let me be a part of everything that was going on. So my, my thinking was elevated even even when I was in the midst of only God knows what. But I, I she never taught me to focus on those things. She 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 was truly one to teach me to keep my eye on the prize and, and I never looked back. I just I never looked back. You know, and, and it's funny you say that because I know I mean, when you hear about stories like that, you have so many people that you know, that had grown up and their great-grandmother didn't have a formal education but, you know, was able to make things happen and make things, you know, they didn't understand measurement, but they could mix mm-hmm. up a cake that was better than the best chefs out there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That was her. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. You know, and I say all that to say that, you know, you have to understand the foundation that was set for you. Right. And see, what I always tell people is, you know, and this is my philosophy about foundation. The foundation that was set for you wasn't really for you, mm-hmm. but it was for the next person to walk in that, to be able to walk that path. That's right. Because when you think about it, the person that set, let's say when you're talking about a sidewalk, they might set that sidewalk, you know, and smooth it out and get it ready, and you might be the first person to walk on it. Right. But if is and once you walk on it and you blaze that trail, other people will see you walking on the sidewalk and they'll say, "Hey, guess what? There's a sidewalk. Right. Let's walk on it." Yes. Mm-hmm. You know. And after a while, the people that are walking in the grass and walking in the dirt will move towards the sidewalk when they right. see that that sidewalk can take them to their destination a lot easier than walking through the grass or walking through the dirt. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think it's just so important, and you know, that we talk about the people who helped set our foundation, right. people who who came before us. You know, mm-hmm. and in our society now, you really don't see a lot of people talking about their foundation. That's true. You know, you hit you you hit you hear the the Generation X, and they mm-hmm. talk about the foundation that was set by the baby boomers. Mm-hmm. But Gen Y, you rarely hear that. And I, do you think it's because so many uh, in our in this generation Y that you know we have so many this phenomenon of babies having babies? Well, that's definitely a part of it. That's definitely a part of it. Um, and and it's it's not only babies having babies, but I think that uh, for the most part, and I see this uh, in owning a school, I see this a lot. Parents, a lot of parents are just not parenting. So not only are the, the, the babies having babies, but not only are they not ready to parent, but I think their own parents were lacking in that area as well. And I think that's a, a fairly um, modern-day phenomenon, mm-hmm. and it, it's destroying our community. I see it every day. I'm working with parents. So not only do I have to, to counsel the, the students, my students, on, you know, appropriate, inappropriate behavior, and so on and so forth, but we also have to counsel their parents to get them to understand that education is important and, and that, you know, structure is important and they need to do this and, and discipline is important and, and all of these things. And you would think that these things are common sense, but common sense is not so common. Mm. So true. Well. <laughs> so true, so true. i tell you what, you know, when you were talking about your youth and – New York and coming up, I, I, I just wanted to touch back on this before we go on to mm-hmm. talking about your book and okay. talking about the, the the trip you just left from uh, here in Florida this mm-hmm. past weekend. You know, a, a lot of your girlfriends that you grew up with, your, your childhood friends, did you see bad things happening to them and you ever thought now that you're an adult, you know, I, I saw all these things happening to these people in this neighborhood, but I was spared. Yes, not so much um, my girlfriends, um, because I, I was I was very blessed, 
and I mean, I know that now. I didn't know that then. That I, I pretty much my close friends. I had a group of friends that pretty much had the same mindset like me, um, and I, and I, I owe that pretty much again to my grandmother because she she just instilled this level of thinking in me that would never allow me to to want to I guess hang out with the wrong crowd. So I I, I, I definitely owe that to her. Um, she made me, even though our uh, circumstances may have looked dire, she always made me to think higher of myself than that and uh, just to have a, a kind of, I guess, self-respect. And so there were just certain things that I, I just, that never touched my life, and, you know, I'm grateful for that. Yes, that's, that's awesome. Tell, tell us about The Love Child, the book. Don't tell us too much because we want okay. people to buy it. Okay, well, The Love Child is a, a Christian fiction novel, and by Christian fiction, for those who are not familiar with Christian fiction, Christian fiction doesn't necessarily mean it's a, a novel and it's about a, you know, a church person or it's, it's in a, necessarily in a church setting, but it just means that the foundation, the foundation of the book is, from, uh, is based on Christian uh, values. And so... By the by the end of the, by the end of the story, there would be some uh, Christian message that would come through, and that that's pre- predominantly Christian fiction. And um, my story is about a McKaylee, McKaylee Lovechild Hunt, and um, she's a successful fashion designer in Italy. And she left a painful history back in uh, Newark, New Jersey, where she repeatedly struggled with her own spirituality and her identity. She's, she's biracial. Uh, she's had issues with her siblings based on the fact that she's biracial. And she, she's been through a, a whole lot of um, trauma, I would say. And so she's estranged from her family. She, she, leaves, she leaves the U.S. and she becomes successful. She's estranged from her family and pretty much paying them no attention. And so suddenly uh, one day she gets a call. An, an emergency has happened. And she gets a call, and she must come home. And it's pretty much uh, the story takes place in seven days, and it pretty much covers her her trip home and the things that she has to confront and the, the secrets and the the turmoil that she has to deal with, and basically um, reclaiming her spirituality so that she can move on in her life. And that's that's as much as I would want to say about that. Okay. Wow. Without giving it all away. <laughs> that definitely sounds like a movie. <laughs> I told you. I told you. I said it. <laughs> you know, and I mean, because I can actually relate to that story, you know. Okay. You know, personally, I can relate to that story in a sense. Okay. You know, as well as um, people that I know that have mm-hmm. actually lived that type of story or similar type of story. Okay. You know, so I I think it'll be a great adaptation for a movie. Okay. Know? And it could be the love child. You know, hey, that sounds like a you know <laughs> I received that. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. You know. But you know, the one interesting thing that you said about the story is you talked about things in that story that people deal with on a regular mm-hmm. basis, you know, not necessarily all in one shot like that, right. but, mm-hmm. you know, just segments of the, of, of the character's story mm-hmm. people can relate to because people have gone through that. Right. You know, people have gone through being estranged from their family. Mm-hmm. People have been, gone through uh, being the outside child. People right. have gone through being, you know, in a viral, you know, the product of a biracial relationship right. and not being accepted by Mm-hmm. One side or the other side, mm-hmm. you know. So I think you got, you know, a lot of great elements in the book. Well, thank you. You know, tell us where you can get the book. Well, the Love Child is available in all should be available in all retail stores uh, across America. So Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, Borders, um, you know, inside the actual bookstore. And also online, so BarnesandNoble.com, BooksAMillion.com, Amazon.com, Target.com. Uh, eventually, it will be in Walmart, 
they're a little uh, stricter and slower with their process, but eventually it will be in Walmart. Um, so pretty much anywhere. Yeah, and 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 hopefully not like uh, Greg and I were talking to someone before. I can't remember who that was, Greg, but they said we don't want to be in the section next to the breastroom. We want to be in the front. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, and also I forgot to mention. Also, uh, it's also available at Black Expressions Book Club. Also. Ah. Yes. Well, you know what, Dee? I'm, I'm, I'm calling you, Dee. I'm thinking about your publisher. You know what, Ms. Rosen? What happened this weekend? I know you were in Florida this weekend. Mm-hmm. You and Ms. D. Stewart. Yes. What went on down in Florida? Yes, that's my girl, Dee. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, we were at Faith, the Faith and Fiction Retreat, and... Uh, it, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. It was a, a great time of fellowship between uh, authors, Christian fiction authors, and their readers. And I think it was a wonderful event. I only wish I could have spent a longer time there. I, I arrived on Saturday because I, I had to to work. Cause, uh, running a school is, is a, a big responsibility, so I wasn't able to leave during the weekday. But I did get there uh, Saturday just in time to be on the author panel that I wasn't aware that I was going to be on. <laughs> and um, and I had a great time. Well, good. I'll I tell you what, it, it's a beautiful thing when uh, writers get together. They can travel and do things together to help one another. It's just yes. a beautiful thing because like I said, a lot of people, a lot, there's a lot of women, a lot of people out there hurting they have this mm-hmm. book inside of them, but they just don't know how to pull it out and put it on paper. They don't know how to get started or to get motivated just to move towards doing it because I think with some people, a book is so big in their mind. It's so big that right. they feel like, you know, they see these things on the New York bestseller where yours is going to be, and they and they, right. and they think, what gives me the right to say that I can author a book? What 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 in my life do I have to share with others? And again, I, I believe, and I'm ask you: Do you think it's because they don't know their worth and their value? I I believe, I believe so. I believe they don't know exactly their worth and their value, and again, their purpose. If God has purposed in your heart uh, to write a book, I believe that. He will pave the way for you. He will He will give you the resources. He will give you the story. He will put the people in your path to help you to birth that book because that's exactly what he did for me. And, I mean, it, it worked out perfectly. It wasn't – I couldn't I couldn't have planned it. I couldn't, it couldn't have worked out better had I planned it myself. Ooh, wow. And, that, you know, and that's great. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I was just thinking about it. I, um, I have an uncle mm-hmm. that uh, just recently wrote a book. Okay. And, you know, he had actually gone through a lot of obstacles in trying to get his book out there, get his book published, mm-hmm. you know. And what, what, uh, what, how would you recommend someone, you know, what would you tell somebody, what would be some of your, you know, words of encouragement and advice to someone who is, you know, trying to write a book? Mm-hmm. You know, his book was, you know, mostly about some events that had occurred in his life. Okay. You know, okay. so it was sort of like a autobiography of of his okay. of his of what he went through. Mm-hmm. You know, for like the past couple of years. Okay. You know, and he found it difficult mm-hmm. when he was telling his story for people to want to listen. Right. You know, and the thing about it, once you hear about his story, you say, wow, because his story was a story of, you know, of struggle, mm-hmm. you know, of trial, tribulation, and then redemption. Right. And when you, you know, and once you start reading his his book, you say, wow, you mm. know, I didn't think all this would be in the book. Right. So I, I didn't know this about this person. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, right. you know, for that person that's out there and, they're, they, and they know they have something that, they want to share with people. What would be some of your words of how to get that book out there? Okay, well, the first thing I would suggest to anyone writing any kind of book anywhere is to seek a support group. 
I mean, that's really important. Writing is a very lonely profession. And the first thing I would suggest is to find a support, a writer's support group. So for whatever genre you're in, I would suggest that you try to find writers, uh, like-minded writers. So for me, that's what I did when when I realized that, okay, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna write now. I'm gonna dedicate my life now to this to this call that God has placed on my life. That's when I began to seek out information. So number one, the first thing I did was I I, I prayed and I asked God to send into my life um, at least one other writer friend. I was like, not even a friend. I was like, God, not even a friend, just just an acquaintance, just someone who I could you know, communicate with and they would understand what I'm saying. It's another writer person to be in contact with. Well, God is the, you know, the author of the exceeding and the abundant. And so he blessed me with ten, ten friends, not not just acquaintances. And they've, they've been my support system and, and then the, the group the group grew. So by now we're I think we're like probably up to maybe a group of, I don't know, 17 to 20. But it, it, it stemmed, my support stemmed from that, that group, that original group. And we, we critiqued each other's work. We supported each other. When, when you don't feel like writing, there was always somebody to be accountable to. That's important when you're setting goals, to have somebody to be accountable to, to have somebody to say, hey, are you writing? You know, have you written this much? Okay, you said you were going to finish this by this time, so therefore you need to have written such and such a thing by this time. That that was really important. That was really and, and to give you encouragement when you know things are not going well, um, maybe you received a rejection letter, so on and so forth. Um, and and I call this group, I call them my sister writers and, and, and that group they're just they're phenomenal. They're awesome. That's uh, Sherry Lewis, uh, Tia McCullers, uh, Dee Stewart, Rhonda uh, McKnight Name, uh, La Monica Trina, that that was my original group. Vanessa, and let me see. Don't leave them out. You know they're listening. I know, I know. <laughs> I think and Sharon, yes, that that they were my original my original group. I tell you what. And there there are more now. We're now called Visions in Print, and we're, we're a bigger group now. You know what? Mm-hmm. It's so beautiful to see women do something like this. It is, because it's just a beautiful thing to know that you guys are out there writing books. You have these support groups, because when you when you may get tired of writing, D may call you and say something, uh, how are you doing? And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you will think, this person thinks enough of me to mm-hmm. call me to push me. Now, I don't want to hear it, because I'm tired. I, I really don't feel like writing. But there... They're holding you to a higher level, so they're expecting great things from you. Right. And there's no fighting going on, and your book was, it was okay, this and that kind of thing, kind of mm-hmm. trying to tear you down. It's none of that. And, and that's no. beautiful. That's what I think is the most beautiful thing because Dee is always, um, seems like she's always reaching out she is. to help people. She's a gem. Yes, yes. I can't wait till her books come out. Oh, I can't. And wait. they're going to be books. There's no way there's going to be one. They're going to be like several at one time. I know this. Mm. She's brilliant. She's a brilliant writer. You guys need to just do the seminars and bring all the women in. To just just do the big conference in Atlanta and bring all the women writers and men writers or whatever. But just bring them all in and just right. have this big writing mega fest. We're working on something like that right now as we speak. That's awesome. We're working on it. That's awesome. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, but you know, when when you're doing something like this, and the, and the impact that you're having on someone else's life, mm-hmm. a lot of times uh, we won't know how much another person is, uh, you know, it, it touched their lives or they changed something in them because they may not reach out to you. Right. You know, but I think. Do you think a lot of writers when they don't get a lot of things, in, you know, a lot of replies saying, oh, you helped change my life, or you did this, or you did that. Do you think they get discouraged and just say, well, you know, my book wasn't, it was a flip-flop. I sold a lot of books, but I didn't get a lot of 
people calling me telling me how great the book was or how it changed their life. I didn't get a, a lot of that. Do you think a lot of people just right. get discouraged? I would say so. I would say every, everybody benefits from encouragement. You know, it doesn't matter who you are, on what level, everybody benefits from encouragement. Um, I find that in every level of my life, you know, it might just be one person saying, you know, thank you, touch my life, or just in in any way. So I would say definitely writers, uh, authors uh, need encouragement. So um, if you could just reach out to them and let them know this particular book or this particular paragraph or this particular sentence helped you in any way, I think that would be a blessing to authors. Yeah, and I'll say this. These Stewart is having a free teleseminar in September. We'll keep mm-hmm. everybody um, updated on what's going on. We'll we'll talk about it all the way up until September. Great. And, you know, as she's saying, it's one of the uh, writer's workshops that you guys have. Right. Uh, did you want to talk about that a little bit? Well, um, it's, it's going to be great. Um, we had one a couple of months ago. And just kind of, I guess, as an, well, I wouldn't say an experiment, but it, it was experimental because it was the first time we had done it as a group, and it was such a success that we're going to do it again. And we're actually raising um, money to support a, a future writer, rather, or, or a writing student. Mm. And we're going to uh, donate that money to the college fund for that student. Wow. Mm-hmm. Are you taking, like, entries for, like, essays or something like that? Well, actually, actually, it's um, it's it's no, I don't think we're we're taking essays right now. It's just um, it's it's a tele a teleconference, and basically, um, people will 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 pay to receive the information. Ah. Mhm. Okay. Got it. No, oh, because I was going to tell my daughter, you better start writing. Okay. <laughs> okay. You know, and I think what you guys are doing is just awesome in itself is because you're sharing, you know, something that was given to you with the world, mm-hmm. you know. But one of the things that I was going to ask you earlier, and I guess i better ask you now. We don't have a whole lot of time left. Mm-hmm. But what is your – what prompted you for your school? What prompted you to start the school? Because I know that's something that Greg and I have been really, really, you know, talking and discussing about okay. uh, starting a school for youth, for young boys here. Okay, in, okay. Uh, Florida. You know, that would be wonderful. What prompted you for, to do your school? Well, I was, I was in New York City, uh, in Brooklyn, and I actually uh, taught at a, at a private school in Brooklyn, and and there was a a lady who was the owner of that school by the name of Marguerite Graves, and she was was such an inspiration to me. And I I never, as as I said, I I didn't come from a family of of entrepreneurs or a family where anything was taught to me about owning your own business at all. Uh, My grandmother's philosophy was pretty much... um, you know, go to college, get an education so you can get, you know, a really good job. And that was the the path that I, you know, set out to follow. My mom, uh, she was a great role model in the sense that even though she had me at 17, she got her first job at 17 and continued working on that same job for 20-some-odd 20 years. And then she changed, switched jobs and, and worked on the next job for the next 20-some-odd years. So she, they were both, they were both um, inspirational as far as working and encouraged me to work, but, but no one had ever, I'd never heard of, okay, the possibility that you could own your own business until I worked for this lady and at this private school. And she was a, an elegant, just a regal uh, woman, just phenomenal. And she was, she was an excellent educator. And I, I was always, like I said, into education and books, and, and, and so was she. And I just... I just, I think, followed her path. I think I made up in my mind, wow, this is this is wonderful, what she's doing to help these these kids, these you know inner city, this inner city, uh, these inner city youth. And I I just basically fell in love with her whole uh, philosophy, her whole dynamic. And it, although her school was not a Christian school, but but she just um, she believed in education, she believed in African Americans being elevated. 
and and I really got on board with her, and I, and I worked there for a number of years until I uh, started to work in the in the public school sector. Mm. Mhm. So you found your inspiration for what you were supposed to be doing mm-hmm. from someone who was already doing it. Right. I just thought she was just just the greatest in what she was doing, and I made up my mind that wow, this is what I'm going to do someday. I I didn't know how soon soon after it was going to be, but I just knew this, you know, this is great. I have to do this. I, I want to do this for, I, I admired everything she was doing for the community, uh, for the kids, and um, and what she was doing even in her own family cause, because, like I said, I had never been exposed to the notion that, that I could be an entrepreneur. It was just something I'd see at a distance or maybe television, but it was nothing that was real to me until her. And so the things she was doing to help in her family, she had her family employed, you know, she employed, you know, her siblings and their children, and, and I just thought, wow, this is a great thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wanted to be able to do that and provide that for my family and for my community. Again, there's that sidewalk. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. And now you've begun the same path. And, you know, and that's why I think it's so important that we give back and we go back into our communities and we show them the things that, you know, people can do. Right. Because I know when I was young, the only thing I heard about what people can do is go and work for somebody. Right. Or, you know, you can be a football player or Mm -hmm. you can be a basketball player or you can hit the lottery. That's it. Everybody talked about being a doctor and a lawyer, but once you got to high school, you know, most of the teachers would tell you, uh, son, you don't want to be a doctor or a lawyer. <laughs> you just need to go get you a good job. Right, get a good job. You know, and the thing that I always hated about that was because they would tell me, you don't want to go to uh, a black school or you don't mm-hmm. want to go to do this. You need to do this. You know, they would try to steer me in the direction that they thought was best. Right. You know, but I, I guess I, I kind of fancied myself as a trailblazer. I didn't mm-hmm. always want to go down that same path that I saw other people go down. You know, I had a friend that uh, who listened to them when they told him, you don't want to go to FAMU, you want to go to the University of Florida. Mm-hmm. You know, and he got to the University of Florida after coming out of high school with a 4.0 grade point average, mm-hmm. and he proceeded to flunk out of school because wow. he just could not make it there. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just too much of a culture shock for him. Right. You know, wow. and... Here I was, I came out with a 3.5, and I went to FAMU because I said, I'm going to FAMU. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I made it out of FAMU. Right, you good. Know, successful mm-hmm. doing, you know, the things that I feel like I want to do. You know, mm-hmm. I'm working for somebody mm-hmm. right now, but, <laughs> you know, I'm still, at the same time, I have my own business. That's right. You know, we do this radio show, and it's and there's things that I'm doing, and I enjoy doing them, and it was right. because... I listened not to necessarily to those people who I thought were trying to steer me in the wrong direction or steer me right. in the right direction or whatever, or in the direction mm-hmm. they thought was right. right. But I listened to what was inside of me, and mm-hmm. what was inside of me says, mm. you follow the path that I laid for you. That's it. <laughs> you know, I want to ask you this. How important is it for us to protect our dreams? How important is it for us to protect our dreams? Yes, and the reason I ask that question is mm-hmm. I'm sure writing the book was one of your dreams and one of your goals. Mm-hmm. Did you protect that? Did you tell a lot of people? I had to. Okay, go ahead. I had to with with, with everything that was in me. I had to protect it, and and that's what um that's like one of my missions now. I'm I'm just I'm on a mission to help people to understand what their purpose is and to protect it. Um with all their heart because there's so many, I see so many people daily who are unfulfilled, unfulfilled, you know, unhappy, and they just have no idea. And a lot of times God has actually uh, given me a vision concerning this. A lot of times I can actually see, I believe, a direction that they should be going in. And, you know, I'll say something or I'll try to encourage them in that way, you know, just to give them that little push, that little inspiration that I feel they might need, you know, just to go a little, it's, it's not to say that I'm going to be the, you know, the, 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 the final authority or the final word on what, they, what they're doing, but if I can just be a catalyst to just help them to just bridge the gap, 
maybe the understanding or maybe just to feel um, confident that they should be going in that direction, then, you know, I'll be happy. Mm. And, and Brian, uh, we learn pretty quick to keep our mouths shut when you're trying to do some things. You know, mm-hmm. it, 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 oh, yeah. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's not so much that we were afraid that they would talk us out of it. It's just mm-hmm. you just don't need that distraction. You just don't right. need the, mm-hmm. you know, you don't, you don't need to allow someone to speak negativity in your life or to say some discouraging things because it really makes things harder when you're trying to do what you're trying to do. When, it does. And, and especially, now let's say most people that, that are saying these things, now they may not mean anything negative. They may be trying to uh, be cautious, and they don't want you to step out there and be with the big sharks because they feel that mm-hmm. you may get eaten and your feelings are hurt and this and that. But right. at some point you're going to have to uh, just jump out of the nest and grow your wings on the way down. So, right. yeah, so, you know, what would you tell someone that's out there now that wants to write a book, that wants to get started, and not so much just a book, but someone that's trying to go after their dreams and their goals and they're, and they're not happy with doing what they're mm-hmm. doing, but they want to get started and try to do that thing that they were created to do? Well, first of all, one of the main things I would tell them is to buy my book, <laughs> Resurrecting okay. Vision, because that's what, and not just because I'm telling them to buy the book, you know, for commercial reasons, but because that's what the whole book is about. It's 45 practical steps to digging up your destiny and seeing it through God's eyes. And that's like my mission. That's my personal mission um, that I would tell anybody trying to do anything to persevere. That I would say that is the, the, the biggest word I would say. Well, two words, pray and persevere, um, you know, because God will direct you and if you, if you allow him to. And you just can't give up. No matter what somebody says, I can say this, no matter what people say, no matter what circumstances go on around you, you have to stay focused. You have to continue. There were times when I was trying to get that initial manuscript when my computer uh, shut down. There were times when... You know, this happened, that happened, you know, things that would distract. And I just looked at everything as a distraction. I would say, no, I'm not going to be distracted. I'm going to stay focused. And so I would just, as the hurdles would come, I'd just jump over it. Okay, my computer shut down. Okay, I'm going to go to the library. Okay, this happened. This, this doesn't work. And I would just figure out another way to go around it and not, you know, make the excuse, oh, I can't do this. Um, when I didn't have the, 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 the finances available, to let's say do things in a way that I thought they should have been done, I'd find another thriftier way to get it done. And and when God saw my faithfulness, and with anyone, because I'm not special, when God sees your faithfulness, he will prepare the way for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what? Not will prepare. Mm-hmm. Has prepared. Already prepared. That's right. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Has already prepared. Yes. You know I want to get your contact information before uh, the show ends. We've got about two minutes left. Okay. That's uh, my contact information. You can reach me at uh, asiagoldson.com. If you uh, go to asiagoldson.com, you can uh, sign my guest book. It has all my contact information there, actually uh, my address. If you want to write to me or... If you want to email me at uh, Asia, A-S-H-E-A, gold, G-O-L-D, at yahoo.com. And all that information is on the website. So I would just say go to asiagoldson.com. That's the simplest way to reach me. All right. And also talk about the two books real brief. Um, the Love Child, and that's, uh, that's fiction. It's, a, it's really a great read. It's an exciting story. I've been told it's a, it's a page turner. Um, that's what people are saying, <laughs> and so I'm, I'm excited about that. And it's, it's not just a page turner of what I would say is just you know empty, you know just uh, nonsense. I think it's something that will leave you with a with a great feeling, and uh, hopefully it will lead some people to God or lead others into a stronger faith relationship with God. And the other one, resurrecting vision, it's uh, nonfiction, and this I think is a great catalyst to fulfilling your dreams. All right, all right. Ladies and gentlemen, Aisha Golson, our guest tonight. We want to thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, thank you so much. And I want to close out by saying, 
dig up your destiny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it. You know, because the thing about it mm-hmm. is God gives you everything you need. Mm-hmm. He puts it inside you, and he wants you to dig deep in mm-hmm. and pull those dreams out to make them a reality. With that being said, you've been listening to The Abundant Solutions Hour. We thank you, and we ask you to join us on Wednesday as we'll have another wonderful guest. Thank you, good evening, and God bless. Good evening.